Focus Film Podcast, a drink and a chat about film. In episode 12, we're joined by Noah Kaplan and we rank the top five films of 1999. So, today's episode of the Focus Film Podcast is going to be quite a bit different. So let me just explain. Myself and Gareth recorded a full podcast the other day where we spoke about everything we're going to be, you're going to hear in today's episode. So uh, top five films of 1999. We spoke about the second challenge, Gareth. More on that in a bit. We also spoke about films we'd been watching this month. And there is an interview with Noah Kaplan. Now, apart from the interview, all of the other stuff was recorded in one go. And when Gareth finished recording, his audio sounded like this. It's because um, your taste was not enough. And it's, it's quite taste. Now, I'm sure that you don't really want to listen to a full podcast of that. So we've come up with something a bit different. Gareth recorded a few bits that basically round up what we were talking about. And I've done the same. And it's still going to be a podcast with all the content that you're expecting from the Focus Film Podcast. And that interview will be there as well. Hello, Alice. This isn't ideal, is it? Oh, Gareth. Hello. We're talking to each other at the uh, same time. I talk to you. Oh, damn. No, this is it. awkward. You could probably intersperse you um, replying to me. Here's me interspersed replying to you. Maybe laughing at some of my jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good joke. You're full of great jokes. Yeah. I knew you'd yeah. say that. And what about what you thought? What do you think about um, the 90s films? Yeah, they're good. The, Dirt- the, the dirty ones. Yeah, that's it. Dirty? <laughs> yeah. Wait, what the heck are you talking Yeah, that's it. Unbelievable. Especially what she did with the yeah ping pong. Yeah. Ping pong ball. Hold up. Anyway. Um, See, we can't do the whole thing like that. Okay. We're just going to backwards and forwards, bits and bobs, starting with the interview. So this month's interview is with Noah Kaplan, who is a 19 year old writer, director, producer, actor, who has recently worked on a film and released a film starring Danny Dyer. Now, Noah did this all off his own back. He talks openly in the interview about the fact that he stalked Danny Dyer. So it's a really interesting conversation just about how he did that and how he got him in his short film. And we do talk about his release of his film, which is on ITVX. So the film is called Stepping Stone and it's about mental health and suicide awareness. And we do talk spoilers in this, though it's not a really spoilerful film. Uh, we do talk about the ending of this film. So if you don't want this spoiled before you listen to the interview, then go and watch Stepping Stone. As I said, it's on ITVX, so you can watch it there. It's also on the Million Youth Media YouTube channel. So you just type in Million Youth Media on YouTube and you'll find it there as well. Noah and I had a chat for about 20 minutes all about the film and just a disclaimer that Noah just does mention that he was a bit croaky voiced after a night at his premiere the night before we recorded this interview. So here is me talking to Noah Kaplan. I'm sorry, this is probably the worst 
the, the the worst time for my voice. I've I've just lost my voice a little bit. Are you struggling? Yeah, but I'm trying to play it off in like a cool Hollywood husky voice. That's it. That's it. You sound like a movie star. Yeah, it's fine. Okay, yeah, I just had a yeah. We'll, we'll go with that anyways. I yeah. Like, nice. I'm not feeling hungry at all from the premiere. <laughs> so it's great to have you. I'm guessing you get this a lot, but you're the youngest guest we've had on the Focus Film Podcast. What At what point in your life did you realise that filmmaking was what you wanted to do? I would say about 13. I mean, from seven, I've always like been writing scripts and, and, and you know, making films. But at that age, you know, you're just looking for a creative outlet, whether that's writing a script, you know, making an iMovie trailer or, you know, playing with action figures or like, for me, it was my Noah's Ark and playing with like the animals. So like, you know, when I say I've been doing it since I was seven, it was just as important as like playing with toys at that age to me. It was just something I enjoyed doing. When I got to 13, I feel like that's when I was like, I'm going to write a full script um, and then I'm going to make the movie and edit it. And it was awful, but um, <laughs> that, that's, that's what started it. Started it. Yeah, that's when I started taking it properly serious. Cool. And describe the process to me because you were 15 when you shot Stepping Stone. Is that right? Well, I was 15 when I wrote Stepping Stone. Um, and then COVID hit and I was 15 when I cast Danny in Stepping Stone. So a lot of the, the hard work was done at, at 15. We didn't get around to shooting it until I was 17. Sure. Um, what with, you know, um, just COVID really messed us up. And then it was supposed to shoot the weekend we were supposed to shoot. We were, it was the first weekend we ever went into lockdown and then after that, like even once all the kind of COVID had finished, or like not COVID had finished, but the lockdowns had finished. Um, and even in that like summer period in between lockdowns, we couldn't shoot it because Danny's contract with BBC um, and BBC were being so strict with their, rightfully so, but with their bubbles. Um, so with their quarantine bubbles. So yeah, we couldn't shoot it for literally like years. Right. Well, that's brought me nicely onto my next question. Kind of two parts of it. This obviously got picked up by ITV. So I just want to know the process of how you got to that point. But also then Danny Dyer stars in this film. I mean, all the cast, including yourself, are brilliant in this film. Um, but to have a name like Danny Dyer, that must have been great. When How, how did both of those things come about? Well, uh, as kind of... Um the Sun and other media outlets had printed in the headline, I stalked Danny Dyer, basically. <laughs> I went through his um I went through his Instagram following. I wrote it in my with him in mind. Obviously, I never thought in many years I'd get him. But at the same time, I was like, I'm gonna give it a shot. And then I, I reached out to his agent and surprisingly at 15, I didn't hear back. I don't know why. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Um, I was like, yeah, no, it'll be really good role for him. It's for a charity mental health film and it's written by a 15 year old. But um, so I never heard back from his team or anything. Uh, so I decided to try and get to him by any means necessary. So I was going through his Instagram following, uh, following and basically messaging everyone he follows. Um, and, you know, most people ignored me. Some people were like, this is highly inappropriate. Uh, and eventually I got to someone, Lucy Carr, just an absolute angel who said, um, you know what? I I I will. I don't know him, but I go to yoga with his wife, and I can pass it on to his wife. And I was like, "Please do." So um, so I sent her the script and my I sent her my pitch uh, with my contact at the bottom and the script attached. And she said, "I've sent it off to Danny's wife. Um, haven't heard anything. You probably, if you were to hear something, it probably wouldn't be for like you know weeks, maybe months." And then two days later, I get a 
unknown caller and I pick up and it's like, hello, like, who is this? And he's like, Noah. Like, who is this? Like, is this? Like, I'm thinking it's one of my mates and like doing a prank call. I was like, yeah. And he was like, Danny Doher. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that's, um, and it all went from there. He said, I'm in, son. Uh, I love the script. I love the pitch. Um, I love the character. I love the message. I love what you're trying to do. Um, I was, you know, your age once trying to break into the industry. And I, I, I would just love, I'd love to help out. This is such an important um, message and campaign. And I think me acting in this and, and the role of Dom is so important and I'd love to be in it. And that was at that point, not far off of a miracle. So um, it all went from there because of Danny, we were able to get funding, which was more difficult than you would think though, because I couldn't get him to sign a contract, obviously, what with his other big contracts. Um mm-hmm. So I was basically just going around to every executive producer in the UK, just cold calling, like cold calling them, sending them emails going, hi, 15, I've got Danny Dyer in my film. Can you give me money? And they're like, okay, have you got a contract? I was like, no, but trust me, he's in it. And they were like, obviously we're not going to trust you. <laughs> so eventually we came across Jackie Green, an executive producer who, again, Guardian Angel, um, put £5,000 into the project and then got Monique Blake to match that investment. Uh, investment really it was a donation um match that and then we use that 10 grand budget to shoot what in reality is a film with what if everyone was paid their due so the whole cast was unpaid and you know the crew not paid their worth they are all absolutely amazing and obviously like they just want to get involved because they were passionate about the the project um and obviously I didn't take anything and, and, and the producer, uh, the executive producers took nothing. So uh, we made that 10,000 pound work and we created a film roughly with production budgets, probably sits at around 300,000. Um, we worked it out recently uh, and, you know, and then we got completion funding because uh, once we had the film, we were like, see, we do have Danny Dyer in it. Um, so so we were able to to get some, a little more after that, um, just to kind of see it through and have you know the premiere and, and give it the proper launch it deserves great and then ITV, sorry <laughs> itv i reached out to them once we made the film i've reached out to their acquisitions team and i pestered and pestered and pestered um found their linkedins and was like you're ignoring my emails please reply and then eventually they they got back and were like we'll be completely transparent we did not expect <laughs> to uh kind of enjoy this film because uh, I'm sure they get loads of student kind of films uh, coming uh-huh. through. And they were like, we were unsure whether to watch it straight away, but then we gave it a watch and we love it. And we love it for ITVX. Um, and I said, how about Mental Health Awareness Week? And uh, they said, absolutely. And, and it's come to come to this, which is insane. And it still feels a bit surreal. Well, it's still, it comes out on the 15th of May uh, on ITVX. And it's out today, right? Yeah, it's out today on Million Youth Media, the YouTube channel, which supports young filmmakers. They supported me from the days of, you know, when I was 14 making superhero movies that were awful. So um, I'm so I'm so glad to kind of reunite with them for this massive project. This for me is all about the awareness um, and the money we can raise. You know, if, if 10 more viewers watch it, that could be potentially, you know, it, in, within that maybe four, five, six 
people who think, okay, maybe I should stop using man up and maybe I should, maybe I should talk to someone who's my stepping stone. And at the same time out of 10, you know, one or two might decide to make a five pounds donation each and, and, and those five pounds equals 10 pounds, which equals if you watch the documentary, um, it calm, their CEO, calm, Simon Gunning explains 10 pounds helps them pick up a phone call. So that is essentially saving a life. So it's yeah. just so, so important for me. And and the, the more support we get from people like yourselves and in, in the media and, and then just the public um, engaging with the content, it just, it, it means the world to me. So I'm so passionate about this subject. I mean, you should be very proud of it. It's absolutely brilliant. I think it's got such a heart to it and its message kind of resonates at the end. You've got that great speech that's kind of voiceover from Danny Dyer, um, his character Dom at the end. Did the film always end like that? Did you always kind of want to end it with that, that bit or did you have any other ideas that came first? Well, when I was 15, you know, coming out of GCSE drama, I thought, Oh, obviously the way you end a suicide film is, is with a suicide. Um, and initially it, it was actually going to be a, um, a suicide scene and as I got older and there was a suicide attempt in my family and it changed my perspective on things and I thought I don't want to you know I feel like so much of the media misses a mark by trying to fear monger people into not committing suicide which is a weird approach um I want to you know kind of show the grass is greener on the other side and, and people are there to talk to um so that ending that you, that you see uh in in stepping stone uh that that was rewritten um, and are we talking spoilers or should I not? Uh, you can do. I think this will be out after the film. So I'll say to people, if you don't want the film spoiled, then then go and watch the film and then come back to the interview. You're watching right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, as, as you see, um, I, I wanted a way to to work the donation and, and the audience into the film. I had ideas of making it an interactive film initially, where to get that ending, you had to donate two pounds. I then kind of came to the realization that while that would be very powerful, not everyone's in a position to donate and, and we still have a sure. message to have a message to spread. Um, so I, I didn't go ahead with that, but what I did do is obviously show by going back to, to the beginning of the film uh, at where that charity workers asking for donations and you see that money go into the pot and then you see in reality, what how Dom's life, well, not life ended, how Dom's story in, in this film ended, which was a happy ending, um, because that money, that donation made a real life difference for, for, for Dom. And, and it's so hard, you know, with charities and everyone's guilty of it, me included, like when you're far removed, if you don't know anyone who's committing suicide or, or anything like that, you do find it hard to relate and and because you don't see where the money's going you just put it into this you know big sure. kind of brand and it gets lost and you hope it does good um you know simon from from calm really outlining that 10 pounds helps them pick up is, is a phone call answered i think that gives us a steer to show you want to see where your money's going uh, uh he here is where your money's going your money's going to save dom which are, is our campaign mm. um and there are a million doms out there you know male female whatever um there are a million doms out there who who need that donation and need those resources and, and for me the I, I was getting asked quite a few times last night like oh so was that an alternate ending or like um 
or, or you know, what was that? What? How do you view it? Like, is the ending we saw the happy ending? Is that the real version, or is that yeah. like in a kind of another reality? And I said, how I view it is, I'm leaving it up to the um, the audience, um, and that's a very director's answer. But what I mean by that is, I'm leaving it up to the audience because the they have an option at the end of the film to donate, and if they donate. And if a donation is made like it is in the film, they see where that money goes. Um, so if they put in a donation, then essentially Dom is saved and that's their ending. Sure. That's that's what I took from it is that you're, you're, if you make the donation, you're you're almost, that's that's the alternate ending that it could be. It's kind of saying, you know, support and look, look at what can happen and look at the alternative. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to kind of round off. We, we, at Focus Film, we like to ask our guests about things they've been watching recently, films that they've been enjoying. Um, but my first question of that is kind of, of genres of film, what do you prefer to watch as a viewer? So obviously this is a, it's, it's a dramatic comedy. It's very funny in places, your, your short film. Um, but what, what is it that you like to watch? I like to watch a lot of comedy. Um, yeah, I, I love to, I love to watch a lot of comedy. Uh, I, I just, it's fun. You know, I, I definitely, I obviously filmmaking is an art form, but I think it's a beautiful thing when you can take an art form and entertain as well. You know, there's no reason why yeah. um, a funny film can't have amazing cinematography and have, you know, hard hitting moments and, and make you feel things. Um, and I think, you know, that that kind of mix, either drama in a in a comedic film or elements of a comedy film and a dramatic film like Stepping Stone, I think I think I think it really helps. If you can make someone cry and laugh in the same film, that's the type of film I want to watch. And you know, without sounding cruel and saying I want people to cry, hopefully they 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 feel, you know, either side of the spectrum of laughing and crying when they watch Stepping Stone. Sure. Well, I, I mean, like the Coen brothers spring to mind of directors who are making hilarious films, but are also making really good films. Uh, is there, are there any of those comedies that kind of spring to mind in general for you that like uh, really resonated with you as a bit different? The the film, my favourite film that I absolutely love, and you will probably, if I was to ask you, having watched Stepping Stone, what do you reckon my favourite film is? You'd probably be able to guess but my um, my favorite film is Good Will Hunting, and and you know that is just to me the best written dialogue I, I've seen in a film. Um, yeah. In my opinion, I, I just the how they portrayed like you know the boys and, and like their their banter with each other, but yet those kind of real raw moments where he says, you know, if you're still here in, in ten years, I'll kill you. And, and like all of that. And then you've got everything with, with Sean and, and Will, and it's just, it's so powerful. And, you know, you, you can laugh at these group of friends and you can laugh at, you know, when, when he's talking about his wife's idiosyncrasies and, and that kind of stuff. But, um, but you will cry in that film or, or at least feel like it in the heart. And then when it ends, it ends in a, on a happy note, doesn't it? When it yeah, yeah, yeah. It's up for interpretation, but but when it, when it, that car drives off, it's just that feeling of wow! I just watched a full film. And there's no sequel. There's not going to be a sequel. There's you know, I don't need to think. Yeah. Oh, what's we driving to? Like that's a full film for me. And I, and yeah, yeah. I, I love it. And then something else we really focus on, on at Focus Film is like getting people to the cinema. We we just are in such a fear that people are going to stop going. But actually recently it seems to be climbing up again. Obviously you were at 
um, the cinema last night to watch your own film, which must've been a surreal moment. Uh, so just tell us, tell us about that, but also then what else you've seen at the cinema recently that stuck with you? Yeah. So, uh, last night, um, I, I watched my film for the first time on a big screen and, and the documentary and yeah. with an audience and it was just surreal. Like I, I know I've said that word a million times and everybody, everybody's probably thinking this guy needs a thesaurus, but I genuinely <laughs> like it, it felt so incredible to sit, sit in the middle of a screening with 200 people and look around and see people crying, laughing, you know, smiling, like, and then at the end, when we had the Q&A, there were so many people that appreciated certain moments in the film and people that picked up on the little things, you know, like the, I'm not sure if you noticed, but the aspect ratio is constantly yeah. changing. So, so throughout act one, you know, you're in this boxed in still space, you know, it's all tripod shots. It's all, you know, just from this shot to that shot to this shot, it's all just like that. And it's in, in contained in this like tiny box. And that's because they're so close-minded. And then throughout act two, slowly throughout that montage, it opens up. And then when you cut back to Danny at the end, it's right back there because he hasn't moved on. Um, and like people just picking up on that stuff was saying like, I love this line or like, you know, that, that was just the best feeling in the world. Um, and I've never really had that true kind of, sense of pride with any of my films because I've always been like I've always by the time I'd finished I've finished the film I would have been like a year older and the difference between a 13 year old's film and a 14 year old's film is so kind of prominent that I've never enjoyed watching my film back so having matured and got to an age where I was like I think this is actually an adult film I was like oh, I loved it and as for films I've seen at the cinema recently um, I'm sure you wouldn't be too surprised to to learn. I was at Guardians of the Galaxy three the other night. Mm -hmm. I loved it. Um, I absolutely loved it. I, I, I thought the ending was perfect. Without, I'm not going to spoil that for anyone. But um, <laughs> but but I, I just thought what James Gunn did with that ending and how it kind of differs to other kind of the end, the last film of like a superhero. Yeah, yeah, sure. Guys. I was like, that that that's a good way to send it off that kind of differentiates it. It almost ties in with everything you were saying about that balance of drama and comedy because it's so funny in places, but I mean my the cinema I was in watching it were just sobbing at, at certain moments. So it's so harrowingly sad in places, but then he he switches tones so well. Absolutely. No, you yeah. hit the nail right down. I think Marvel does that does that really well. Um, uh, you know, mixing the comedy with drama and action and, you know, they've got all sorts going on, but, you know, yeah. may, may, maybe one day. <laughs> <laughs> That's one the dream. Day. That's the dream, isn't it? We, uh, just a last question very quickly. You said before about you were noticing people pick up on little things and there was something written on the wall, um, behind in the counselor's office that I wanted to, that says, we must be careful about what we pretend to be. And that stuck with me. Like there were so many different things that did, but that really like, I was like, whoa. And I was thinking about that line. Was that something that you came up with? Was it something that you saw and used or how did that get into your film? I, that painting. So I, I was thinking, how can we raise money for charity? And the car, there are these Karma ambassadors, the Connor brothers, who are these world-renowned artists, like one of the most famous artists in the world at the minute. And I, I, I was in a position where I could reach out to them through Calm. Um, and I said, I want to get a painting that we can use in the film as a stimulus artwork, right? Because I've seen mm -hmm. that they, they always do it in that style of having like this kind of 
uh, mysterious image and then the text at the top. And I, and I love it. I love their art. Um, so I, I, I was thinking, uh, I went to them and I was like, and then we can use it in a film and build the film around it. And then we can auction it off for charity and raise money. So they said, we'll do it. And uh, and kind of they went through their catalogue and, and we played with some ideas for a bit. And eventually I found this, that uh, we came up with this idea to have what we must be careful about what we pretend to be. Mm. And I sold it into the script. Like that that painting, we, we, we sewed in like while I was writing it. Um, right. and, uh, and yeah, it, it just became... Um, it, it just fit in as, as well as I'd hoped. Um, and it's a bonus that, it, I mean, it, it perfectly fills a shot what with that small aspect ratio and, and the colours and everything. It's a half, half covered face and, and, and the message is so clear and, and pretty self-explanatory. And I was like, that's perfect for this film. Uh, and then just the bonus that, I mean, that it retails that painting at about £12,000. So we're auctioning it off so who knows how much I can go for yeah. a similar thing if theirs just went for a hundred thousand pounds and you know, hundred thousand pounds is a lot of life saved. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, well, fingers crossed for you. And I hope that the surreal experiences continue for you uh, in the coming <laughs> weeks. I hope, I hope the release all goes very well. Thanks so much for talking to us today, Noah. Well, I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for your time. Do you want to round off just by telling us just one more time about first where people can watch the film, but also the things that you've put in place um, with the suicide prevention and, and through mental health, uh, just kind of round it up for us. Absolutely. You can now watch the film Stepping Stone on ITVX. And you can watch it on Million Youth Media, which is a YouTube channel that support young filmmakers like myself. Uh, and as you see at the end of the film, there is a donation text sign that you can text saved on five to donate five pounds or saved on 10 to donate 10 pounds. We will also be auctioning that Connor Brothers artwork seen throughout the film. Uh, so if you're interested in that, follow my socials and follow my Instagram at Noah Alex Kaplan. And I will be keeping all details on that auction up to date. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll go live with that hopefully in the, in the near future. Um, so yeah, just please, if you can take anything away, uh, please help us break some negative stigmas. Talk to, talk to your friends, talk to your family, whoever you feel comfortable talking to. Make sure you have a stepping stone if you ever need that help. And if you are in a position where you can raise, uh, you know, raise some money for the suicide helplines, please donate. It would mean the absolute world to us. That's great. Thanks a lot, Noah. Appreciate it. Have a lovely day. So that was Noah Kaplan. You can watch his film on ITVX and on Million Youth Media's YouTube channel. It's called Stepping Stone. And as Noah said, you can follow him at Noah, at Noah Alex Kaplan. It's definitely worth giving him a follow and definitely worth watching his film, Stepping Stone. Now back to the main pod. So on to the main part today. We were drinking coffee on the day that we actually recorded, but today I've got a nice can of Coca-Cola Zero uh, in my hand. So if I burp, I apologise. We usually start off by talking about what we've watched through the month, what we've watched. And Gareth has recorded, like I said, a few inserts to go in here. And I asked Gareth what his highlight was from the month. So usually we'll look up at our letterbox diaries and just see what we've been watching. So we're going to talk about Gareth's first. So let's hear what Gareth had to say. All the way, all the way, 
Do, 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 do. So usually every month we talk about the films we've watched. I'm going to quickly have a, a dash through my diary to take a look. So obviously I've already mentioned my five-star alert, which was Thelma and Louise. Thelma and Louise is part of the Challenge Gareth section, which we'll get onto later. I also did a rewatch of Catch Me If You Can, which I gave a five-star. There is probably two highlights I'd like to highlight, and they are still a Michael J. Fox movie as a documentary on Apple TV Plus about Michael J. Fox. Um, and it's a really matter-of-fact documentary. When I went into it, I was a bit worried about it being a bit over, well, a bit sad, really. And, and any films like that, I get I get that sort of feeling, but it, it didn't give me that feeling. From the outset, Michael J. Fox is like, I don't want sympathy. And that really puts me off when people do that. And the documentary has that style. It's amazingly done. So all of the, so it goes through his life and in an almost like a dramatized way, but they've really cleverly put together all the clips they could find of Michael J. Fox in movies to sort of recreate what's going on in the story he's telling. So a lot of it is actually him when he was younger acting in films and it they've done it in a really clever way. I gave it a full star. It's only 95 minutes and I highly recommend it. It's really uh, inspiring, I'd say. So yeah, Gareth spoke there about Still, uh, the Michael J. Fox documentary. And I'd agree with everything he said there. It's a really, really brilliant film. Uh, A candid look at his exceptional life. My second one is Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I didn't have hugely high hopes because I'm not loving the latest Marvel stuff. Some of it's good. It's a bit hit and miss. Hoping on the whole, we're going to do well. But this one I really enjoyed. I gave it a four star. It's It really lays into the emotion. A lot of wide-eyed animals looking at you like, come on, cry. But I really enjoyed it. The acting was on point. The... It's everything you wanted from a ga- the final Guardians of the Galaxy movie. It's such it's the best series in the MCU. It's the most fun, and it's probably the most close to a comic book that you're going to get. Great cinema watch. I think it's in the cinema. Go and watch it. Guardians 3 is one of the best MCU films in a while, and the standout for me was Chris Pratt. Uh, when we recorded the interview, Gareth said Pom Clementif, who played Mantis, was the highlight. He thought she was absolutely brilliant. But for me, the standout was Chris Pratt because I think this is his best performance ever. He gets the comedy timing, I mean, obviously so well as we expect, but there's some dramatic moments in this which he performs effortlessly. And he's just so good. In this, he proves why he's one of the best. And we did a top five last month, maybe the month before, which was top five Hollywood Chris's. And Chris Pratt didn't make our list, I don't think. And I think had this have come out, I'd have fought more to have him on there. Highlights for what I've watched this month. I also had a five star alert, which was Being John Malkovich, which I'd never seen before. And I didn't really know what to expect, but it just blew me away. It reminded me of films like Everything Everywhere All at Once, Chippendale, Rescue Rangers, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. These films that are kind of meta 
and they're, they're being made now. And obviously weird films have always been made, but being John Malkovich felt like, it felt very ahead of its time with how meta it was being and how crazy of a concept it was. And I watched some of the bonus features for this film and John Malkovich basically originally wanted to direct the film and he wanted to have a different actor be the John Malkovich part, which was kind of met by, I think the writer is Charlie Kaufman. Um, of course, because he was in Adaptation. So it, Charlie Kaufman was like, no, it, it has to be you. <laughs> if we're going to do it, you have to be in it. So John Malkovich agreed. And I think that it's just, there aren't many films from like the late 90s sort of period that are so out there and wacky and different. I mean, we're going to talk about 1999 and how brilliant of a year it was and how groundbreaking of a year it was for cinema. But being John Malkovich was one of these indie projects that just goes above and beyond what you'd expect it to. And I think that's brilliant when it doesn't like have to think about the commercialization of things or uh, or that sort of sequel prospect and possibility that it just works as its own thing so much. And I love that. I, I just think it's so good. Spike Jones, obviously famously, is the head of Jackass uh, or directs the Jackass films. Um, but I mean, being John Malkovich, her adaptation, Where the Wild Things Are, his work with fictional film uh, and, and telling stories is brilliant. And I think Spike Jones is honestly, this might be his masterpiece. And that doesn't mean to say he's not going to make another, but I, I think being John Malkovich is his masterpiece. Other things that I watched this month that are worth talking about, uh, Good Morning Vietnam, I really enjoyed watching that, The Devil's Backbone, I really enjoyed, American Graffiti on a rewatch, I really enjoyed, Crimson Peak, which I thought was really good, a bit of a Guillermo del Toro theme here, but the other end of the square was Aquamarine, now me and my girlfriend did a night where it was a Sunday night and we just were going to pick a film each and watch her film and my film. And there are films we think the other one needs to see because they mean a lot to us. So her pick was Aquamarine. I've never seen Aquamarine before and I have no intention of ever seeing it again. It was a lot. Uh, the performances were dreadful. I uh, wasn't completely overwhelmed by the plot. It's just not my kind of film. But she had a great time. My pick was Hot Fuzz. And luckily she enjoyed it a lot more than I enjoyed her pick. But I also love watching Hot Fuzz and I think it's one of few films that I watch every single year. I've watched Hot Fuzz every year for, I don't know how, like the past few years. Uh, and it always hits. It always works. It's always great. So watching that again was just a, possibly a highlight of my month because I just love it every time I watch it. It's It's just great. I also watched King Kong, which I didn't get a chance to get onto when we actually recorded the first time, so it's quite nice I'm getting to now, which was a film, the 1933 King Kong. And I basically started to collect the HMV Premium Collection, and King Kong was one of those. And it's great. Like, the dedication to filmmaking is unreal. They do so much. Uh, the, the mon there's monster fights in here that last, like, five minutes in a time when the budget for that sort of thing and the experimentation for that sort of thing wasn't as, as big and large as it is now. So I really, really valued that. And sometimes you get this piece of 20th century cinema gold, and that's what I think King Kong was from 1933. So we'll move on now to the challenge Gareth section. So I gave Gareth a challenge, and 
it was basically to watch five films with names in the title. Here's Gareth to tell you how he got on. So I was challenged to do films with names in the title and I put a TikTok on naming them and they were going to be Christopher Robin. They were going to be uh, Thelma and Louise, Coraline, Carrie and Logan. And it all started off great. So Christopher Robin's really good. Uh, it's very melancholic, just like the Pooh stories are. Winnie the Pooh. Um, the animation is really nice, really sweet. For adults, it's kind of probably going to make you a bit sad and a bit, you know, reminiscent of the past and all that, like they do. Yeah, but really good. Thelma and Louise blew my socks off. Five star. It was a five star alert. That's right, Alice, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, I thought it was one of those I should have watched and I never have, and it was, it was amazing. Um, Coraline, the, well, unfortunately for Alice, I gave it a three star. I only gave it a three star, not two star, because the animation was so good, which was unfortunate. And Alice is still sad about it, which which I believe led him to destroy my audio file. I've yet to confront him about this, but um, by the next podcast, hopefully we've resolved that issue. I'll be honest, I didn't know this was an issue until Gareth just accused me, just blindly accusing me of sabotaging his audio file. Why would I do that, Gareth? I'm now sat here recording myself, replying to you when you're not actually here right now and not able to respond to what I'm about to say, it's a faff. Why would I do that to you? But you are a bastard for not liking Coraline. I didn't like the story, and I find it really difficult with things. It tends to be stop-motion animation that gets a bit weird. It's like set piece after set piece of them being weird. And a great, well, I guess I get bored. It was a long 100 minutes for me. The next up was Carrie, and I made a TikTok about that. And then, yeah, it was all right. 70s are weird, aren't they? Like I mentioned, 70s are are weird horrors in a good way. So if you want to be scared more, watch Carrie over, I think there's a 2013 version of Carrie or like a more modern version. I bet that's not as weird as this one. I gave it a three, but I know it's an all-time classic. And then last night, or the final night I I had to watch uh, Logan, I ran out of time, completely ran out of time. And I was pretty down about the fact that my first challenge, Gareth, was going to be an abject failure. However, on my drive down to do what I was going to do, see some friends, I realised that I'd watched a film called Peter, Pan and Wendy. And therefore, I did the challenge. I didn't even realise it. I did five films. Peter Pan and Wendy is great. Three star, which, you know, people who don't know me or put much value on a three star would go, well, that's not good. But I really enjoy a three star film. This You need them in your life. Easy watching, more aimed at a family, young family. Some of the acting is a bit corny, you know, but they're, they're kids, aren't they? Of course they're going to be. We're too used to, uh, or kids acting like adults. So Gareth actually, you know, he goes on there, but he he, he, uh, he failed the challenge. He did fail the challenge. But then with that little turnaround, he watched Peter Pan and Wendy. 
unbelievable. So I I commend him, and he didn't fail the challenge. But I, you know, I was watching his letterbox come in. And I was like, he's he's not watch one. He's one down. And then there he was with Peter Pan and Wendy. So well done, Gareth. Now Gareth's in a busy time of his life at the minute. He's getting married, and it's very exciting. I'm very excited. I'm sure he's overwhelmed by the whole thing. There's a lot going on and hoping to find gaps for excitement in all that organisation. But while he's not here, I'll say him and his partner couldn't be happening to a nicer couple that they're going to have this amazing day that's dedicated to them. I think they're two of the nicest people in my life and I'm very, very happy for the both of them. So to kind of let Gareth have this time to prioritise, I thought I'd give him an easier challenge. So I didn't want to give him five films. I wanted to give him two. Instead of doing five films, I need to just do two. Yeah, Gareth, because I just Oppenheimer said that. I just said and Barbie that. are out on the same day. Completely polar opposites in style, content, and it's causing a bit of a ruckus online. Which do you watch first? Do you watch them both together as some really obscure double bill? So Ellis wants me to find two films I've never watched before that are completely opposite ends of the spectrum and provide that obscure double bill. Uh, okay, so so basically the challenge is that I want Gareth to... So that's the next challenge, Gareth. Find out next Stop month. interrupting me, Gareth. Stop interrupting me. Right, I would like Gareth Very to watch exciting. two... Oh, for f- what else do I need to cover? Um... Let me just read Alice's note. He said it. What he said. I'd like Gareth to watch two films back to back that are a very, very strange double bill. A stranger double bill than Oppenheimer and Barbie was the specific task. So a film that is stranger than Oppenheimer and Barbie. Is that possible to find a double bill like that? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But they need to be two films he's never seen. And I can't wait to see what two films he's picked. You can follow our TikTok which I think is at Focus Film Blog. That's what we are on TikTok. But you can also just search Focus Film. We should come up that way. And you'll be able to follow us on our things like that. When we do our things like Challenge Gareth, they're all put on there. So you can give that a follow if you like. Yeah, at Focus Film Blog on TikTok. Then we need to do the top five films of 1999. Now, 1999 was the year I was born. Gareth said about that. So here's Gareth first talking about his favourite films of 1999. He keeps going on about, in his recording, about the 90s, best films of the 90s. It's 1999 specifically that we're looking at. So, Gareth, take it away. And then my favourite 90s films as we get into the top five. So we had this nice little discussion about the 1990s films. And again, apologies that my computer decided not to play ball. I was born in 1987 and Ellis was born in 1999 so he was officially zero when these films came out and I wasn't I was going into secondary school which is sobering to say the least but some of the highlights uh, I saw some of these in cinema Um, I didn't see The Iron Giant in cinema and I wish I had but I saw Austin Powers, The Spy Shagged Me. I remember watching South Park, not in the cinema though. I think I snuck into American Pie or some of my friends did. I definitely saw The Mummy at cinema. Um, I also, uh, episode one, Star Wars, massive, massive moment in my his, my cinema history. And many others as well. Uh, Toy Story 2, obviously I saw. I was a kid, of course I saw it. 
Um, and then the Blair Witch Project was causing a huge ruckus. So I know, I don't know if it's called surgery now on Radio 1, but it was called the Sunday Surgery then. And there was a phone in just about the Blair Witch Project um, because people are so scared of it. So it really caused a scene. And then the Sixth Sense, I didn't see it at the cinema, but I remember it was one of my first DVDs I ever owned. That's a little tidbit. So if I was going to create a top five, in no particular order, I'd probably go Fight Club, Matrix, Toy Story 2, uh, Sixth Sense, and Notting Hill. That's probably where I'd go. Um, I know Ellis is going to put Toy Story second. I'd probably go Matrix then, then I'd go Fight Club, then I'd go Sixth Sense, and then I'd go Notting Hill. Notting Hill was massive. It changed the rom-com game. Um, some really, really funny moments, really sweet moments. But I don't think Ellis has watched it. It just depends on what he thinks, on what he thinks. I, so, I don't know. Now, my favourite film of 1999 is Toy Story 2. And we have actually decided the top five, obviously, when we did that recording. And we agreed that Toy Story 2, The Matrix, Fight Club and The Sixth Sense should be on the list in that order. So Toy Story 2 first, then The Matrix second, Fight Club third, and The Sixth Sense fourth. But then Gareth had seen Notting Hill, and I haven't, and he said that should be on there. And I have seen Being John Malkovich, and Gareth also has, but Gareth wasn't sure if it should be on there, and I thought it absolutely should be. So we're leaving that up to you, the listeners, to decide. We also spoke about Galaxy Quest and Tarzan and the Green Mile as close contenders. But being John Malkovich and Notting Hill are what it's between. So we'll have done a poll at some point, or maybe it's not happened yet. And if you want to get involved with that, it's at Focus Film Blog on Instagram to get involved with that one. And yeah, you'll basically choose what will come fifth, Notting Hill or being John Malkovich. And we'll post about that on focusfilms.online, which is our blog where we talk all about film so if you head over there you can also see all the uk film releases in the uk it's a bit weird it's a bit hard to navigate exactly what's coming out when because we get different release dates than the us do so we put together a blog every month which basically tells you where to watch things so you've got in cinema this month we've got spider-man across the spider-verse we've got transformers rise of the beast we've got the flash in indiana jones and the diet of destiny a new wes anderson film We've got things on Netflix and Prime and Disney Plus as well. Plus films that have come out in the past sort of 12 months that are now getting stream releases. So things like Creed 3 and Avatar The Way of Water and Roald Dahl's Matilda the Musical, The Woman King. So if you missed any of those, you can head to our blog, focusfilms.online, and there you will find the dates for all of those releases. As well on Focus Film, we do reviews. So we'll have reviews of loads of those major films coming your way very soon. Uh, we've got reviews up already of The Old Way, which was a Nicolas Cage film, of Still, and of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Plus we have a blog from Gareth called The MCU, From Emotional Low to Emotional High. And we do an article every month that you can get exclusive access to by reading our newsletter. Now to get access to the newsletter, just head to focusfilms.online, go to the top where it says More, and then click Newsletter. And then you'll be able to sign up from there and you'll get an email every month about what's going on. So all of these different links that we're telling you to go and oh, follow this and look at this and read this. It is all put into a nice, neat newsletter every month. So you can find that on our blog. 
there we go then. That about rounds it up, I think. Yeah. Apologies again that this hasn't worked out. Really gutted because uh, I enjoyed the podcast, but make sure you tune in to our spoiler film fan club later in the month where we're going to be talking about what's it called now gareth try to lead in to what the film club is this month so we'll be doing like a spoiler special film club of two films that we talk about in detail and one is a new film one is an old film here's gareth trying to remember the name of the film i was going to say spicy with a chance meatballs is that what it's called it's cloudy i'm just going to type meatballs in Gareth, it's cloudy. Listen to yeah, me, cloudy. I was, I was going to record this and go, he's going to be well impressed that I've just reeled this next episode off. It's not going to be spicy with a chance of meatballs, is it? What does that mean? Cloudy with a chance cloudy of meatballs. Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. So we're going to be watching there Cloudy we with a chance of meatballs. There we go. Oh, and then the new finally. Spider-Verse movie, which is out. Well, by the time this is out, it will be out. So go and see it and we can spoil it for you, talk about it and put it on the film wall. Very excited. If you want to watch Cloudy with a chance of meatballs at any point this month before the episode comes out, which usually it's about the 15th of, of the month. So halfway through the month, give or take a few days. But Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs is available on Netflix at the minute and it's also on Now TV. And our new film, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which I cannot wait for, is out in cinemas, like Gareth said, now. I think that I think that's about everything covered, to be honest. I think that's everything. Ooh, looking out my window right now, it's a little bit dark overhead. I think it's a bit spicy with a chance of meatballs. No, that doesn't sound right. Spicy. Tasty with a chance of meat? No. Sunny with a chance of meat? No. Oh, but I think that's closer. Oh, I know what it is. Cloud. Thanks for listening. Please do hit that like or subscribe button. Thanks to today's guest, Noah Kaplan. You can follow us on at Focus Film Blog and read new reviews on focusfilms.online. With thanks to Charles Whitcomb for the theme music. Yeah.